Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, I'm Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Scott, how are you this mildly chilly Thursday afternoon? It is the autumnal equinox, Eric. <laughs> and what does that mean, Scott? <laughs> uh, it means that today, the day is the same length as the night. Um, that's when we're recording this. So oh. the... The so 12 night, and 12? Yes, nox. The night is equal to the um, day. Equa, nox, equal night. So there you go. Fantastic. And uh, it's the start of fall. That's what starts mm-hmm. fall. Oh, so this is... this is First day of fall. The first day of fall, not... And right. Yesterday was the last day of summer. Right. And so that's why it's mildly chilly, because we're entering the mm-hmm. fall. So that would be another way to say it, besides the autumnal equinox, probably... A little better, <laughs> but um, you can uh, write letters to Eric about that. I, I have a buddy who I know hates it when it starts getting darker and darker. So he's probably get, oh, being given this reminder, and he's screaming at the. It's already the that way, right isn't now. it? Yeah. I, oh, I still have stuff growing in my garden, thankfully, and so I got to hustle home now to to pick it after work. Otherwise, it gets dark. It used I used to be able mm. to pick at nine thirty at night, and mm-hmm. now nine thirty at night, I'm I'm past my bedtime because mm-hmm. it's dark outside. So. Yeah, anyway, um, that's why it's chilly, because fall started today. There and this is a weather podcast now, so you guys didn't know this, that's but right. that's um, what we're doing. Uh, would you like to know about Hurricane Kenneth, that's, or Tropical Storm Kenneth that's forming somewhere? I don't know. Kenneth. That was That's the name of the next one, I guess. Well, I don't know how to segue <laughs> from Hurricane Kenneth, <laughs> but I'm going to ignore Kenneth and move on to something else. Uh, we we so, sorry to all you Kenneths out there. <laughs> so we had uh, uh, Sarah in in our in the studio last week, and we interviewed her about her book, and that was a a fun conversation with her. And we um, thanks thanks for bringing her in and reading that book, Scott. That it was, was great. really stimulating. I thought, yeah. And she was talking about the story uh, and the conflict between Jacob Vanderpool and. Um, Oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Magruder. Magruder. Theophilus Magruder. Theophil- that's a great name. That's a fantastic that's name. That's a great name. The, yeah. Uh, but it has us had us really pond- thinking about, and, and as we're reading our Bibles, thinking about how do we deal with sin, and how do we deal with sin that um, is not our sin, is well, past sin. Yeah, well, let me say, I mean, I think I mentioned it last week, but when I was reading uh, her book, uh, The Place We Make, I was reading about the uh, these the history here in Oregon City and even the the lack of action let's shall we say of Ezra Fisher who is a f- uh, founding pastor of the First Baptist Church mm-hmm. which um, from which our church is descended so I mean we were First Baptist Church in West Lynn for a while and that it came from First Baptist Church in Oregon City, which was founded by Ezra Fisher. So, so First Baptist Oregon City planted 
First or, Baptist Westland. It's a little unclear. I will say yes. Mm-hmm. It was maybe what the church people call a splant, which is a little bit of a split <laughs> plant mix, but um, <laughs> that... That's, Not quite a multiplication. It's a little bit hard to figure that out exactly what all the motives were, but mm-hmm. but they did look over here. There's nothing in Westland. Mm-hmm. They said let's let's get send a church over there. There were some people who were more conservative and in not so happy with what was going on in Oregon City at the time. So there was an unhappiness that sort of prompted the move too. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was like uh, how intentional it was and how much it was just like Whew, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. But either way. Our church is descended from the church that Ezra Fisher started. Mm-hmm. He's in the book, mm-hmm. and I'm and I had celebrated him in the history of our church. Like we made a video that talked about him and showed his picture to the whole church and all the things. And the same time I'm reading this, and I, I'm also preaching on Psalm 106. Mm-hmm. Psalm 106, verse six says, "Both we and our fathers have sinned." We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Okay, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. We, we've done these things. We've committed iniquity. We've uh, done wickedness. I can confess my sin that I've done. Mm-hmm. But then he says, our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by, this, by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. And so two things are going on there. We have sinned, and he confesses that, and then mm-hmm. our fathers have sinned, and he confesses that. And so here I'm trying to figure out, what do I do with the sins of my fathers You know, with this text I'm preaching on, and how mm-hmm. do I talk to our church about how they relate to sin in the past, and how then do I think about the guy that was the pastor here mm-hmm. before me? Not here, but of our church. Right. And the church family tree, as it were. Yeah, yeah, our great great grandfather in the mm-hmm. church, and so that's that's was my question was like, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Because of all of the things, it's you know, it's as close as any. Mm-hmm. And so your question, how do we respond to the sins of the past? I think is a good one because. Uh, you know, as soon as you ask that question, though, I mean, you ask it of me, I ask it of you. Nobody, uh, not me anyway, wants to be feel guilty for things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Like, don't pin that on me. I didn't do it. Right. And yet, you could say that about Psalm 106, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the we have sinned part you could do, but our fathers, I mean, that's the whole rest of the psalm. And psalm only be a few verses long if you left off all the sins of the Father. Well, and so, just to point out, the psalm is 48 verses long, and there is 46 verses of story after story after story of the fathers doing these things. Right. And then it ends with, um, ends with, he caused them to be pitied by the, all those who had held them captive. That's kind of the end of the story. And then he says, save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. So there's a, a connection even at the end. It's... Mm-hmm. Past story, past story, past story, past story, past story, and then Say us, us, right? Yeah. And so, anyway, that it just got me thinking. Okay, how do I, uh, re- how do I react, or how do I engage the sins of the past that weren't my personal sins? Mm-hmm. That's, I think, some of it. Right. My personal sins. I, if I confess those, I know that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I have such great hope that my own sin will be forgiven. But uh, 
what about the sins that are somehow um, connected to me or somehow part of my own history or even sins that are in the past that maybe not part of my history? Where do, how do I relate to those? Because there's, I, I was really surprised by this, I will have to say, there is a ton in the Bible about that. Mm. Um, I'm just going to read a few of these verses. Maybe the most central verse on the, about the character of God in the entire Bible, because it's repeated over and over, mm-hmm. is uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. And it says, The Lord, the Lord, a, merciful, uh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love or covenant love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. I'm going to say that again. Forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. And so there is a part of the justice of God where he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and their children's children. So Mm -hmm. there is a generational effect of the sin or the iniquity of the fathers. Now, I, what that means, we can uh, debate, but the reality is their sin affects, mm-hmm. at a minimum, their sin affects their children and their children's children. Right. I mean, it somehow affects it, whether you say that's judgment, whether you say that's you know, consequences or, or whatever. There is this generational um, influence of the fathers and their sin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when Nehemiah prays uh, to God at the start of the book, he ends uh, his prayer with, even I, and he doesn't end the prayer, but in the middle of the prayer, even I and my father's house have sinned. And he confesses then the sins of his fathers. He does it again in the middle of the book. They, they find the book of the law. They re- begin to read it. And they celebrated uh, one of the festivals. And on the 24th of this month, it says the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with, and with earth on their heads. Mm-hmm. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law uh, of the Lord their God for a quarter of a day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worship the Lord. So they spent uh, a quarter of the day confessing the, their sins and the sins of their fathers. So this does seem to be a thing, and um, as you continue to to look at it, it's it's kind of everywhere. In Deuteronomy, the mm-hmm. father shall not be put to death because of the children, nor shall the children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. And you see the same kind of thing in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel, but there is this relationship somehow of the sins of the fathers to the sins of the children, and um, you have it in Jeremiah. Um, we have sinned against the Lord, our God, we and our fathers from our youth even to this day and have not obeyed the Lord. And um, anyway, there's, it's just there's everyone. It's when a, I, even in my quiet time the last couple of days, it's, this has been in my mind. So as I'm reading, things will just pop up uh, and that, like, oh, that, that matches. And this is from Isaiah 43. It says, I, I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in in remembrance, let us argue together and set forth your case that you may be proved right. Your first father sinned and your mediators transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. 
So there's again, there's that connection. And I'm just reading along mind of my own business and oh, oh, there it is again and again and again. And there's yeah. there's plenty it in Isaiah. Now so so it's kind of through the prophets, it's it's in the Psalms, it's in the law, and there is this Did you mention Daniel? Daniel does the same thing when and, he's praying. Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that, but it is there and we can put some of these in the in the show notes for people to read for themselves. But the the interesting thing is that there is in this uh, life of Israel uh, a concern not only for my own sins but for the sins of my fathers. In and I'm I'm trying to figure that out because once you get to the New Testament, you don't have that. You don't have really any of that. You don't find a prayer about our father's sins. Uh, there is the the speech of Stephen where he accuses Israel of and their fathers of killing the prophets. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pharisees, basically the leaders of uh, the Sanhedrin, of killing the prophets, and that then he gets killed for that. But uh, you don't have a prayer of, conf- of confession or anything for the sins of my fathers in the New Testament. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, why is that, and how do I... How does all of this inform my relationship with the sins of my fathers? And I guess the, the thing I came to in the New Testament is that we are not part of the same kind of a covenant uh, with the Lord. We don't have a, we don't have a family-based or a na- even a national covenant mm-hmm. where our uh, family or national fathers um, sinned against God and sinned against the covenant. We don't have that. That's not the basis for our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I, I think you don't hear this kind of prayer in the New Testament. And you know, probably more clearly than that to say that um, our relationship with uh, God is based in a new covenant that is not based on anyone's performance uh, or faithfulness to that covenant except the faithfulness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The new covenant is based on the faithfulness of Jesus. And so the the sins of our fathers do not have the same relationship to us because our relationship is with Jesus as opposed to being in this long line where God has made this national covenant or family covenant. So that, I think, is why you don't see it in the New Testament but you do see it in your Bible. Mm-hmm. So how do we, you know, how do we handle this in uh, our world? How do we handle this in our um, with sins that we know our, um, you know, people connected to us have committed? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the reason I think it's an important question uh, is because I think that the the church has sounded uh, really tone deaf to the world when many things have been done in the name of Christ that are despicable Mm. and that are awful. And we somehow say, hey, I'm forgiven. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all there is to it. Or we somehow 
say, no, there's a lot of virtue that balances out that vice. I don't know how we deal with it exactly. I mean, different people do it different ways. But the reality is that um, somehow we have to come to grips with good and bad in history Mm -hmm. and recognize that it's not just, you know, monochrome, but we have this whole spectrum of uh really colors of virtue and vice mm-hmm. all the way around the, the various um, uh, possibilities, really. And so how do we do that? Do we just say, nope, it's only good, or nope, it's only bad? And I think that's some of the tension is because mm-hmm. anytime somebody says, well, you know, your history is bad, mm-hmm. then I feel terrible, or they say it to me, I feel terrible, and mm-hmm. then I say, no, 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 there's good. And the reality is there's both. Right. You know, just like, just like any day. I mean, I one of the questions that you hear all the time, how's your day? Well, it was a good, bad day, really. Right. Some of it was good, some of it was bad, and I'm just going to acknowledge that. And the same thing is true if the history is longer. Mm-hmm. Not just today, but my lifetime. Or not just today, but uh, several generations. And so I'm trying to think about that as carefully as I can. And um, I, I would... I'm, this is my current state of thinking, and really, I, I think it's fair. This is probably a good place to say I'm out over my skis on this, because I'm really trying to figure this out for myself for the first time. So this is not the final word on this. I don't think this is the first word. Not this the is the first word. word, not the final word. <clears throat> but my thought is to this is the way that I would deal with it. Well, let me say one other thing before I, I before I kind of give my plan. And that is, I think there's value in identifying with the sin of someone else, whether it's my parents, whether it's my great-grandparents, whether it's, um, well, it's a pastor of this church years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what that does is that keeps me humble and recognizing that I have, that I am in a long line of people who must be dependent on the Lord, mm. must be forgiven by the Lord. And I don't have this triumphant you know, sense in my heart that I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, and I just have to be more humble. So I think there's some value in this exercise just for our own spiritual, you know, help and health. Mm-hmm. So that's that's so, why. So you said uh, identify. What do you what do you mean when you say identify? Yeah, well, when I mean identify with their, did I say identify with their sins? Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably more that I uh, recognize that um, that I you know that I come from a long line of sinners, and that that is um, that the work of Christ was important for them and for me all the way down. And so when I say that I'm identifying with, uh, I'm not so much identifying with their sin as I am with them. Okay. You said that. That's mm-hmm. probably. Thank you for asking. Because so you, you have a connection with them, or, or right. yeah, they, the, are, they the, are like me, or what? Yeah, I I somehow relate to them, and and it can be uh, I relate to my uh, my parents and my grandparents, mm-hmm. and some there's some sin there, and mm-hmm. some of that sin has been visited on me, mm. and I probably visited some of it on my kids. Mm. But there is this identification with um, maybe my last name or mm-hmm. my blood relatives. So that's a pretty close connection. 
the one that concerned me when we were reading that book was identification of place. The, the title of the book is The Place We Make, mm-hmm. and I could walk to that place. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close. And so I can shrug it off and pretend that it isn't a thing, but it is a thing. And uh, West Lynn especially is still white, mm-hmm. and so is Oregon City, and it's still... Um, there just still are the same issues that began back there that now are still being visited on us. And so I have to say, okay, there's a sense in which their sin still affects me or I still identify with, and so I, I wouldn't say I identify with Theophilus Magruder. I have no idea about him. Mm-hmm. Ezra Fisher, yeah, he basically had the same job as me mm-hmm. 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, what do I... I identify with that. That's all mm-hmm. I guess I can say is I, yeah, that's pretty close to home. Sure. And, and if s- I can tease that apart, you said mm-hmm. identify with the place. You're, we're not necessarily talking about identifying with a particular patch of dirt. Like if you get to the right latitude and longitude lines over in Oregon City, you go, ah, oh, something happened right here, and I identify with it because I'm close to it. Not necessarily. You might need to acknowledge that, but you're connected to the institutions that made that place. Well, I or did de- I'm definitely connected there. Mm-hmm. But I would say even even the latitude and longitude, I'm connected simply because this is my home. Mm-hmm. And that was their home. Mm-hmm. And this place that we call home, this geography that we call home has been affected by sin and the fall and to the degree it still affects me. I mean for instance, I mean you say maybe you, they, people shouldn't do strip mining, let's mm-hmm. say, because it ravages the land, okay? I come back a generation later, it's been strip mined, I'm still, and I'm gonna try and farm that land or whatever, I'm gonna still be bearing the scars or bearing mm-hmm. the burden from that previous generation in that place. Mm-hmm. And in some respect, I think that, yeah, I'm willing to even uh, connect just on the fact that this geography here Okay. Uh, for instance, okay, that one of my one of my race issues for me is, I spent a year in Montgomery, Alabama, and it was a year in the '60s. Okay, those of you who have very much American history, the '60s in Alabama was a pretty contentious time with regard to race. Okay, that's my place. I don't remember ever seeing a black boy mm. in Montgomery, Alabama, in the '60s, and so that it's the fact that I was in Montgomery and not in Montana. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't have that kind of same feeling or identification with the years I spent in Montana because it wasn't the same issue as it was in that place. Mm-hmm. So some of it might be, you know, blood relatives, some of it might be place. I think to the degree I identify with Christ, mm-hmm. then the other people that have done things in the name of Christ are by virtue of that related to me and I am related to them. And there Mm -hmm. is this identification. You identify with Christ, you identify by nature with one another as one Mm -hmm. um, Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God Mm -hmm. and father of all. I mean, there is this unity. So if it's it's been done in the name of Christ, especially that is of concern to me. And so I have these various levels of identification that uh, some more strongly than others. I mean, even you and I even talked a little bit earlier, if for some reason some of the basis of my identity 
is the color of my skin and I identify with white people, if that's like a thing for me, then I probably need to deal with the sin that white people have perpetrated on people of color. I think that's a thing. Now, that's a level of identification. If I identify myself, you know, my manhood, if maybe that's it, I have to come to grips with some crimes against women, perhaps. If that's been done in the name of being a man, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And so, because right, you might not identify and it, attach yourself that way, like yeah, it's not. It's not like oh, our, you know, what the Red Cross asked me when I give blood. That's not right. what I'm saying. I'm saying what's important to me. If what's important to me was important to them, right, and particularly the name of Christ, that's where because that's where the sin comes in, right? If it's you know, if I'm uh, if it's skiers did something, I don't know if I'm a skier. It, that may not have much connection with them. But, mm-hmm. but the, uh, I'm concerned primarily now with the name of Christ. And so what do I do? Um, I think there is a scale of my identif- levels of identification where I'm really tight here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not very tight on another on the other end of the scale. Sure. And, and, and just to... Uh, clarify a little bit. So, some identifications are appropriate, and some are not. And that, and that's what you're saying. Right. Like, I have, I have a connection to my family, whether I decide to have a connection to my family or not. I have a connection to particular places. I have connection to Jesus. Those, those are are givens. But you're saying some other identities I may grab. Like that's not a good identity to grab. And if you do so, you're attaching yourself you, to things that are not helpful. You come with the problems of that identification. Right. That's probably. I'm glad you said that. So people, if they hopefully didn't turn off when I first talked mm-hmm. about that. But, but yeah, when you do take those other identities, you also take the problems with them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and some of those problems come because they are made into identities. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's that's really fair to say. And so in processing this, this is our, you know, like I said, this is the first, not the final. Um, In that scale of some of these things are really close to me and some are more distant, you can take time and place as one of your markers. Mm -hmm. Say, so if you go in in time, let's let's take time first. So you go all the way back to the Crusades. A lot of Christians will say, oh, I have nothing to do with them. Well, like it or not, in the you know in the world outside, they will. In fact, I just heard a podcast today that uh, was concerned. Didn't guy didn't want to be a Christian because of the Crusades? Mm-hmm. That's actually a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a Christian. This is a conversation I've had for sure. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I just heard it today. And so, what do I do about that? Because you know they did that in the name of Christ. I do things in the name of Christ. We have this commonality there mm-hmm. of our identity with Christ. And and yet it was a long time ago and it far, far away. Mm-hmm. And so is it going to do me any good to confess their sin? Probably not. I mean, it's a, I need to acknowledge that it was not good, mm-hmm. that there was sin there. Mm-hmm. I think acknowledging is, is fine. I think the other thing that I probably do there is I lament that that was done in the name of Christ, that it, I, my heart breaks for the damage that the Crusades did to the reputation of Christ, maybe. That's one of the things, perhaps. Same thing maybe with the Holocaust. Though Holocaust, um, yeah, did people do that in the name of Christ? To a degree, I think they did. There was some. Maybe some. Yeah, yeah and 
But that's maybe not as distant in time, but more distant because there wasn't done like the Crusades in the name Mm -hmm. of Christ. So again, I'm hoping that people getting a sense of sliding scale on Mm -hmm. how close these, you know, bombs go off to my own, you know, sense of self, I guess. And, but that one, there's, uh, I mean, that is heartbreaking. And I, uh, lament that in that I acknowledge this the world is not right and that sin is is wicked and horrible and that sin in particular is wicked and horrible mm-hmm. and um, I pray that the Lord would not you know prevent that from happening again and would uh, heal the historical uh, fallout from that I mean lots of things that are related to mm-hmm. this lament um, but I, but I mean, for me to confess that sin doesn't make any sense or to feel guilt for that mm-hmm. or even it, cause it just was, that one was pretty far away from me. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit the same way and maybe some people would think I shouldn't, but for American slavery, I, to my knowledge, don't have ancestors that did it, that I would identify with my own family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, only spent that one year in the South and didn't was just a little kid then. And so I don't really identify with the people who perpetrated that sin. So I don't know that my confession of it before God, like I confess the sins, my own sins and the sins of my father's like Psalm 106. So I, but I also acknowledge that was awful and particularly when it was justified in the name of Christ was super awful. Mm. And um, I, I will work for, uh, for justice and fairness and want to be the, you know, a representative of Christ to people who still are maybe bearing some of the brunt of or some of the effects of that sin that somebody else's fathers perpetrated on them. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. So again, that's lament, and and when you know, do you do you have anything that would help you know us define or clarify what we mean by lament? Well, I keep thinking about the Psalms because mm-hmm. um, we we've gone through those in a number of summers, and usually lament is uh, associated with an appropriate acknowledgement of what's going on and a. I, I just keep picture, uh, remind. I keep being reminded of the song um, by Andrew Peterson, and it starts with, uh, "Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Mm. Like it's. I have to acknowledge this is broken, and it it shouldn't be broken. So there's an acknowledgement of what's going on, an acknowledgement of um, the sadness or the horribleness or the wickedness. Um, but I think Christian lament is also uh, longing. F- there, there's a hope attached to Christian lament. Mm-hmm. that says, this is broken, it should not be this way, it ought not be this way, and we know the one who can restore things. So it's, it's, there's, biblical lament, lament is not hopelessness. Biblical lament acknowledges yeah. the brokenness and then says, I know the person who mends brokenness. Well, and it points us to the new heavens, new earth, and restoration mm-hmm. of all things, and we, we hold out hope even while we say, how long, O oh Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, as some of the sort of the Christian right. uh, expression. How long the Lord lament, is key, yeah. Expression of lament. And so that's what we mean when we talk about lament. Now, one well, and the, I, w- I want to point out, um, I think because we belong to the gospel, we can actually acknowledge things appropriately. 
um, if, if we're, we're asking these questions because if we don't respond to sin, whether our sin or someone else's sin appropriately, uh, we're going to respond to it inappropriately. And we will either go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to minimize it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to defend it if someone tries to attach it to me. And I think the gospel and, and scripture in particular gives us tools so that we can look at sin in the world and go, okay, I know, here, here's how I respond to this sin. And if it's, if it's distant from us, we're talking about hurricanes and Hurricane mm-hmm. Kenneth, and um, people will likely die because of Hurricane Kenneth. That's a distant thing, um, but we can acknowledge that. And, okay, this is appropriate for lament. Death has occurred. Death should mm-hmm. not occur. The world is broken. The world has been cursed, and death now happens. And we don't go, oh, that's, that's far away from me. I shouldn't care. Um, but w- lament is appropriate in that. Well, and see, this is this is one of the reasons that, um, I mean, this this is actually one of my main reasons why I think we have to be so so careful about Christian nationalism, because with, when we identify Jesus with the nation, then all of the nation national sins happen in the name of Jesus, mm. and then all of a sudden it becomes really much more serious mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, not that sin isn't serious, but but to to identify the perpetrators of that sin with, you know, Jesus is, uh, that just doesn't help. And mm-hmm. that is, for me, then there it moves it maybe to the next level from lament of something more distant to something that is closer and that's, I think, when I can, when it's most, when things are closest, that's when I move into, I think, confession, where, you know, I have sinned, I think my, like, you know, I can admit Ezra Fisher was silent on the matters of race, and um, I can be brokenhearted about that, and, you know, I don't confess his sins in the sense that, God is faithful and just to forgive him 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's not really how that works. Sure. But that God would uh, cleanse me, and God would cleanse our church, and God would cleanse the you know our city and our county mm-hmm. of the ravages of uh, that kind of sin. I think I think that's that that is closer to my home, and that is closer to my heart, mm-hmm. and so I. I deal with that, I think, more seriously. I don't know. That's sure, and 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 you're kind of walking. So we have this this scale, this spectrum of distance to closeness, and the f- first several examples we were saying are far away, and as they get closer and closer, we got to um, uh, something happening in Europe, and then we had something happening. I was referring to the Crusades, and then something happening at a national level a long time ago, and then something happening in Oregon. And then, okay, now we're talking about things um, done by groups or people to which I identify. Right. And and now we've kind of shifted from a distance into, um, I don't know how you'd label that, mm-hmm. maybe like a, a response, responsibility, a corporate responsibility to some degree. Right, I am closer to being a responsible party mm-hmm. in this. And I mean, maybe I'm not. I mean, it's 150 years ago. Maybe not. Right. 
But, but we're, we're getting closer. Yeah, we yeah. are getting closer. And, and the fact that he was a pastor of a Baptist church from which ours is a synod m- makes it seem like it's the kind of thing that if I were there, I could have done. Mm. You know, in that with that level of identity, I mean, I could have done any of those things really, but mm-hmm. but this one, I can picture myself being in that situation. Well, and it, it maybe more so the so we're we're talking about him being silent on something. He he had some spiritual authority in the, in the city, but was silent on something. Maybe the thing is um, th- uh, that is passed on in the family tree is a willingness to be silent because we were. Tra- pastors trained by pastors trained by pastors for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's more the thing that would be fitting. Right. Would as it, a con- like where, where can you use the plural we, um, that, that would probably be one of them rather than something like not just using him as a gateway to confess the whole thing about everything. Yeah. Um, he, he's not associated with everything. But he's, but he's, you know, like me. And so mm-hmm. we pastors do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we Reevleys do stuff like, I mean, when, right. when it becomes a we, that's a really close identification, mm-hmm. and that's a different level, in my estimation, of confession and ownership of that sin. Now, thinking about how does this relate to the gospel, then if we go back to those distant sins and the lament, and I'm just brokenhearted about it, but I just hold it up and say, I didn't have anything to do with that. It's just awful. And... I lament that the lament always points us to the restoration of all things to the new heaven, new earth, when God will make all things right and wipe away every tear from our eyes and the eyes of the victims and Mm -hmm. all those Mm -hmm. things. And so we connect with the gospel there with gospel hope as we lament. But when we get closer and closer and the sin now, you know, becomes shared or it becomes my own or it's the sin of my family or the sin of uh, pastors or sin of Christians and, and all of a sudden it's just closer, I then relate to the gospel, uh, m- those sins I think differently in mm-hmm. that, number one, I recognize that um, it's an act of rebellion and it's an act of brokenness, it's an act of uh, will maybe that I share in. And so I, the gospel, the portion of the gospel I relate to is the portion of the fall where, yes, I see myself in this gospel story Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Could have been me stumbling and falling on this. But with I can't relate to the gospel story with respect to the fall without also, especially in these examples that we've talked about with with Christians, uh, without also um, connecting to the gospel in the area of redemption, that Christ died for my sin. He died for the sin of Ezra Fisher. He died for the sins of those who um, maybe were uh, on the crusades. And, you know, the fact that this was done in the name of Christ, I mean, that's some of what put Christ on the cross. And so I engage these sins with the hope of the cross in view too. So, it seems to me that I that I connect with the gospel differently. The closer it gets, the more completely I relate to the gospel. Maybe mm-hmm. that would be a way to say it. And the more distant sins, they just are echoes of uh, a day to come when I can hardly wait for things to be made right. And so all of that is, uh, you know, hopefully you can tell, even by the way I'm talking about it, that this it's a uh, a way of practicing being humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and not 
being overblown that I have it all together here. So did you want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, we were talking about the responsible level that I think I said corporate responsibility thing. Um, as you get closer, eventually you may realize you sit in a spot in which you're guiding an institution. Um, and when I say institution, I'm talking anything from family to a school, to a business, to some level of government, to a nonprofit, to whatever. And you can, um, you know something and go, oh, this institution did something it shouldn't have done. And now I sit here as someone responsible for guiding it. You and I are responsible to some degree for what happens in our church and definitely what happens in our families. And I'm, I'm picturing this in business. I, I work for a mechanical contractor. This happens all the time where, not all the time, only some of the time, uh, where a customer will say, you guys installed this and it's broken now. Or the thing you said you would do, it, it, it didn't happen. Um, someone, which in different languages, someone lied a long time ago and didn't do what you said you would do. It wasn't me. I didn't install mm -hmm. or not install that project. I didn't sell or not sell that project, but it was the company. And as a agent of the company, as mm -hmm. a uh, responsible party of the, of the company, I say a lot of we. Yeah, we shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Um, it, because I'm responsible. I, I, now, if it was some other, some other contractor and they say the contractor did this and they didn't do it right, like, well, that's a, that's a bummer. That's not, that's not my fault. Yeah, I don't, that, that, there's I mean, distance those, there. Those are good ways of talking about the closest and the distance, mm -hmm. I think. And I, I, as we're figuring out where something lands on a spectrum, think about um, your relatedness to something and you may have responsibility, um, maybe not the direct fault, but responsibility for things because you um, lead something or have influence in a, I'll just keep using the word institution because I think it yeah. fits and a I, lot. And I like the, you know, the, the, the things that we're all afraid of, right? Or the fault or the guilt or mm. the, that somehow uh, it comes back on me. And while the, almost none of these things come back on me, I mean, I do things mm. that come back on me for sure. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that, uh, you know, we have this view of sin that is almost exclusively individual. Mm. that the only sins that ever happen are ones that one person does. Mm -hmm. But that isn't really true. I mean, we, we build family systems, we build church mm -hmm. systems, we build governmental systems mm -hmm. that sin in, you know, in teams. Right. Know, really, right. for lack of a better word. I mean, yeah. we just, uh, and so as part of those things, I recognize and we, I think, it, again, this is part of the humility. I am not part of a perfect team mm -hmm. ever, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so all the time I have to own my own uh, things. And again, it's just an exercise. Uh, some of it is an exercise in humility. And, and for those of you that don't want this, and I can understand why you wouldn't, I just, you know, we want to think we are, we're right. We're not wrong, we're right. We're justified. We're, we're the ones who have it together. And the reality is the, the message of the gospel is that righteousness comes through only one person. Mm -hmm. And our, our righteousness, to the degree we're right, it's because we are identified with Jesus and he is right. And so he drags us along or imputes to us or gives mm -hmm. us his righteousness. And therefore, we have some claim on being right. But, a, but apart from that, 
you know, we can think highly of ourselves if we want, but it isn't the case. Mm -hmm. So I really do, uh, that's some of the difference in this new covenant is my covenant and my righteousness and my goodness and the fact that I'm okay comes from Jesus, not mm-hmm. from the fact that my my performance is clean, my history is clean, my conscience is clean, I'm all together. And again, I think that it's it would be helpful if there was a Christian humility uh, about the present and about the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a dependence on Christ for our own righteousness, so. Well, and I'm just picturing all the connectedness, like sin, sins of our fathers, you can go all the way back to Adam, like the first Adam. And that was kind of referenced in the Isaiah passage I, right. I quoted. Um, but really thank God that he's willing to attach righteousness to people who didn't do it um, in Jesus. And that's really the one man again. And this is this is from Isaiah 53, which is was just a couple mm-hmm. chapters afterwards uh, from that first father sinned piece. It says, out of the anguish of his soul, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And again, I'm just reading going, oh, thank God that's true. Thank God some, mm-hmm. someone else did something for me, and I get, I get the benefits and attachment to it. That's a wonderful thing. And then, you know, the <laughs> many will be accounted righteous, and he will bear their iniquities. I mean, this whole podcast has been about the iniquities of people, mm-hmm. our fathers and others, ourselves, and the fact that uh, anyone gets accounted righteous is on account of Christ, and mm-hmm. the fact that anybody's iniquities are born, it's on account of Christ, and mm-hmm. so we just uh, even use the, even if you disagree with us about, oh, I don't have any connection to any other sin other than my own, okay, I'm I mean, that's your own thing, and you you can feel that way, and that's fine. But recognize the the degree to which you recognize your sin is the degree to which you recognize the beauty of Christ. Mm. You know, those two things go hand in hand, and so I'm not afraid to to feel, I suppose, the iniquities or the sin that are you know around me, mm-hmm. whether it's through my family or through others or... Because the the ugliness of sin highlights the beauty of Christ, so that's good. We'll leave that as a last word. And uh, if if there's if this brings to mind something, you guys can all send us emails at to comment at cityonhillpodcast dot com. Like we said, this is probably the first word, not the last word. So um, if there's uh, some things that come to mind or questions or um, things you want some clarity on, just send them our way, and we'll uh, review those for future podcast conversations. Um, to get to those conversations, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review does go a long way to getting this to other people. Share it with a friend. Um, it might cause a conversation with them. And that might be good. Um, but until the next time, we look forward to that next conversation. So, so, so.